You are listening to Shining Star Community Church, English Ministries Sunday Message. Please visit us at www.shiningstar.life. Metaphors are really powerful. You know, metaphors in general are really powerful. I think for me, I can use a thousand words to try to describe something, but when I use a metaphor, a lot of times that just clicks a lot better. In the Bible, there are so many metaphors that are used to describe God. You know, God is our shield, He is our fortress, He is our shelter, He is our refuge. He's used in all of these different ways when we think of metaphors. But for me, one that has really stuck out to me, one that has constantly come back up into my mind again and again, is this one metaphor of God as a bird. God as a bird. You know, uh, in 1994, uh, there was this movie called Forrest Gump that came out. Uh, many of you guys probably know it's a modern classic. Uh, it won six Academy Awards, including... Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor. You know, it's, uh, it spawned all of these lines also, right? What is it? Uh, run, Force, Run. Um, what's another one? Life is like a box of chocolates, right? So it has all of these famous lines and all these famous things, but there's one scene in particular that I always remembered. There's one scene in particular that I can't get out of my head because every time I think of Forrest Gump, this one scene comes up. And it's a scene where... Forrest is a child, and he runs to his best friend Jenny's house. And as he's talking to her, his, her father comes out of the house and begins to yell at her. And so she grabs Forrest's hand, runs into the crop field, and in the middle of the crop field, they kneel down, and she goes, Forrest, pray with me. Pray with me. She goes, dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. Dear God, make me a bird so I can fly far, far away. It's interesting because when we think of metaphors, when we think of God as a bird, a lot of times we don't think of times when we think of ourselves as a bird. But when we think about our generation and the things that we've gone through, do you know that this is the most worried generation in the history of the world? Do you know that in statistics that we have more cases of depression than ever before? Do you know that in terms of anxiety, in terms of the medication that we take, in terms of the ups and downs that we experience, we have experienced more now than ever before in our lives. We are so filled with worry. And so because of that, we, we pray this prayer often. God, help me to not be here. God, I don't want to be filled with regret anymore. I don't want to be filled with these things anymore. God, just take me away from here. Let me be a bird. Let me fly away from here. And so the question becomes for us, how do we find peace? How do we find peace? Because in this world of chaos, in this world of trouble, man, there are going to be serious illnesses in your life. There's going to be serious diseases that you encounter. There's going to be accidents. There's going to be... troubles and pains and even death that occur. And so for us, the question becomes, how do I find peace? 
This psalm is about that one question. And the answer is very simple because the answer uses this metaphor of God as a bird. God as a bird. Because God, he makes us a promise here. He makes us this very clear promise. But this promise is interesting because when we hear this promise, there has been misunderstanding after misunderstanding about this promise. There has been so many people who have turned away from God. There have been so many Christians who have turned away from the church because of this one promise, because of their misinterpretation of it. And so what I want us to do is to look into this promise and see what it really means. What does it really mean that God is our protector? What does it really mean that God is a bird? We're going to look into that today. So what is this promise? In verse 4, it says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. This idea of a mother bird is powerful. It's a mother bird. It brings up this idea of a mother bird protecting her young by spreading out her wings. And so through rain, through the sun, through all of these different things, through predators, you can see this mother bird putting out her wings and protecting her young. And this image is all throughout Scripture. It's all throughout the Bible. God, he is, uh, he is considered this mother bird who protects his young. It's this intimate relationship. And there's actually three things that it conveys. Three things. The first is protection. The second is love. And the third, but most importantly, is sacrifice. Sacrifice. And so the question is, how do we accept this? How are we under his shelter? How are we under his wings? It says later, it says, you are my God in whom I trust. And so what that means is, obviously, when we trust in God, then he'll protect us. See, when we trust in the Lord, then we're going to be under his wings. Man, what a beautiful thing. What a beautiful promise of God. And yet, that's where the misunderstanding comes. That's where the difficulty appears. Because for us, what does it mean to be protected? It seems like here that if we trust God, then we're not going to experience hardship. That if we trust God, then you know what? He's going to help us avoid all of the difficult things in life. Later it says, a thousand will fall at your side, but it won't come near you. It says, don't worry about the arrows in the sky or the diseases on the land. You know what? You, you will be protected from destruction. And it even says at verse 12, it says, you're not even going to stub your toe. Isn't that weird? It says, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And so what we can infer from this, what a lot of people have thought from this, is that if you trust God, then you want nothing bad is going to happen to you. That if you trust God and if you really put all of your faith into him, then you want everything will be smooth for you. But you know what else that implies? That if you are going through something difficult, that if you are going through financial difficulties, that if you are going through cancer or going through heartache or going through death, then you know what? You just didn't trust God enough. You are not faithful enough. And that's a dangerous thing to think. And I'm going to give you two reasons why that's wrong. The first reason is the book of Job. 
Because in the book of Job, we see this man who is faithful among all the faithful. He is the most faithful man to have ever existed in that world right there. And yet for him at that time, he experiences the worst pains. He experiences disease after disease. He experiences death and heartache and all of the worst things. And in the midst of that, his three friends come to him. And they say these exact words. They say, Job, because you didn't trust in God, because you didn't put your faith in the Lord, that's why you're going through hardship. You're, you're experiencing disease because you know what? You don't have enough faith. And Job, he says, no, 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 I don't believe that. I reject that. And at the end of Job, what we see is God coming down in a storm. And he looks at the three friends. And he says, I am angry with you. I am angry with you because you have not spoken truth about me. That's not true. Those words are not true. The next reason, the second reason, is that Satan, he wants you to interpret it this way. He wants you to interpret it this way. In Luke 4, Jesus is out in the wilderness, and Satan comes to tempt him. And in those temptations, what we see is that, man, the, Satan is trying his very best to bring Jesus down, to, to divert him, to pivot him away from the Lord. And so he says this one thing. He says what verse 12 says. He says, if you really trust in the Lord, if you really trust in God, then you know what? You can jump from this building. You can jump from this mountain. And you know what? You'll be protected because God is not going to even let you stub your toe. He's not going to let you even trip on a stone. And so that sounds so good to us. That sounds so good to us because we want that to be true. We want it to be true that if we believe in God, that bad things won't happen to us. But what happens? What happens when we have been faithful? What happens when we have been good and trusting to the Lord and these bad things happen? What happens when we experience pain? You see, we become bitter. We become disappointed. And we stop, we stop trusting God. And we start to turn towards the world. Because even though we understand that the world can't fully satisfy us, it's okay. Because the thing that God has promised, the thing in the Bible over here, you know what? I tried to believe that, but his promises are false. He had promised me all of these things, and yet I experienced hardship. So, no, no, I can't trust in the Bible anymore. So I'm going to trust in this world. I'm going to trust in what this world is going to say. And so I'm going towards this area. That's what we end up doing. And that's what Satan wants from us. Man, it's a dangerous way to interpret the Bible. And it's not how we're supposed to interpret. And if that's not the case, if that's not how we're supposed to interpret the Bible, how are we supposed to read this passage here? I think the best way to explain it is the story of Joseph. In the book of Genesis, Jacob has 12 sons. And one of his sons is Joseph. And, and Jacob was a great man, but he was also a man of sin. And one of his sins was that he loved his son Joseph to the point where it got too much, where it made his other brothers bitter. It showed so much favoritism that Joseph started to become arrogant. He started to become egotistic. 
he started to become self-centered. And so Joseph, he started to bring himself up and bring his brothers down. And when he started to do that, his brothers became bitter. His brothers started to become upset. And so they ended up, slaving, they ended up selling, his, uh, selling Joseph into slavery. And when they sold Joseph into slavery, he became a slave, a servant. But through misinterpretation, through uh, misunderstanding, he was sent to prison. And it was in prison that he was forgotten. He was completely forgotten. He was sent there for years. And as he was sent there for years, man, he prayed to the Lord. He asked for different things. And yet he was still was stuck there. He still could not come out of prison. He was forgotten there. How difficult must it have been for Joseph? And yet what we realize only later in the story is that if Joseph had not gone through those things, if Joseph had not experienced all of those hardships, that Joseph would not have been the great man that he would become. You see, Joseph was protected from being the person he wasn't meant to be. He was protected from his own arrogance, from his own self-centeredness. His brothers were protected from his father's mistake. And the people were protected for starvation. It's this beautiful story of how God is able to protect Joseph by allowing him to go through these hardships. And in Genesis 50, 20, it says, man, it says one of the most beautiful things. It says, um, Joseph's brothers comes up to Joseph, and they realize that it was their brother that they had sold into slavery. And yet now they see that Joseph is in this position of power. And so they go before him and they bow down. And they say, Joseph, please don't kill me. Please don't kill me. And Joseph, he says, you know what? You meant all these things for evil, but God meant them for good. But God meant them for good. For us as Christians, we understand that bad things are bad, that evil things exist in this world. We understand that. But even terrible things, even the worst of things, God is able to use his power so that one day from the perspective of eternity, the bad things bring about something so much better than if we had never experienced it. That is what the true protection of God means. It's not about us not getting hurt, but it's about how God is able to use those hurts to protect us and to grow us. It would be the worst thing for you to never go through difficulties because we would never become the person that God had created us to be. And so that's why God is saying, I'll protect you. I'll protect you. I'll protect your heart. I'll protect the part of you that matters most by shaping you into the person I want you to be. That's what his protection means. And that's why in Romans 8, Paul says this really interesting line. He says, those who trust God that all things work together for your good. How is Paul able to say that? How is Paul, of all people, who was sent to prison, who was shipwrecked, who was stoned, who was almost killed, how is he able to say that all things work together for good? It's because he's able to look back. And he's able to see that even those terrible things, 
even the hardest things in his life have shaped him into the man he is today. That all of the things, that even the thorn in his side, that even the hurts that he's experienced, even the trials that he's gone through are good things because they've ended up leading him closer to the Lord. And you see, all of this connects at the end to verse 15, where it says, I will be with him in trouble. I will be with him in trouble. What does that mean? How, how come God doesn't say, I will take him away from trouble? He says, I will be with him in trouble. But how does God do that? How does an all-perfect, all-powerful, perfect God able to stay with us in trouble? You see, it doesn't make more sense for God to take us out from trouble, to take us away from the hardships that we're going through and take us out. But if God does that, then we're not able to become the people that we're meant to be. And so there's only one answer to that, and that is only that God is able to come down and be with us in the midst of our trouble. But it's impossible for him to do that because he is all perfect, because he is all powerful. And so how is the God of the universe able to be with us in trouble? This verse, it points to the New Testament. It points to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ was God, and yet he came down from heaven to earth. And he comes down, and he is born in a manger. And he dies a sinner's death. And this all-perfect, all-wonderful, all-good God, he becomes vulnerable for us. He becomes vulnerable so that he can be in the midst of trouble with us. You know, I talked in the beginning of the sermon about the three things that this mother bird image conveys. The first one is that it conveys protection. The second one is love. And the third, and most importantly, is sacrifice. When a mother bird protects her young, how does she protect her young from the rain? She gets wet. How does she protect her young from the sun? She gets hot. How does she protect her young from predators? She gets eaten. She sacrifices herself for her young. She sacrifices herself so that her children can live. You know, there's only one time that Jesus identifies himself as this bird. It's in Luke 13 when he's going into the city of Jerusalem. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I want to gather you as a mother hen gathers her children under my wings, but you would not. He sees the people. He sees all of the people in Jerusalem. And he says, I want to gather you as a mother hen gathers her children under my wings. Because he sees what's coming for them. He sees what is about to happen to them. He sees that judgment is about to come down and that they will pay for the sins that they have committed. And so for him, he says, I'm going to lay out my wings. I'm going to put you under my shelter so that for you, you're not going to have to experience that judgment. You're not going to have to experience the hardship. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to go through that judgment so you won't have to. It's going to be okay. I'm going to go through that. I'm going to be that mother bird so that you're not going to have to be. Oh, Jerusalem, 
oh, Jerusalem, you're not going to have to go through that. You know, in 1988, there was the wildfires of Yellowstone National Park. And it wiped away a lot of the land there. And there was a story about how the rangers, they were walking along the land. And they saw this charred stump. And as they approached the, start, the, the charred stump, they saw this weird uh, thing on the ground. And they realized that it was this bird. But it was completely burnt to a crisp. It was almost completely ash. But what was strange about it was that it was standing completely still with its wings like this. And so as they started to come closer because they were curious, all of a sudden they saw these three young chicks run out. And what they realized was that this mother bird saw, this, saw the fire coming. And she made a choice that she would stay where she was. That she would stay exactly where she was and that she would protect her children and that she would face what was going to happen and she would stay still and let the fire come down upon her. You know, when Jesus was at the cross, he saw all the people who were betraying him. He saw all the people who had abandoned him. He saw all of these things happening in his life. But in the greatest act of love, in the greatest act of sacrifice, he stands still. And he says, it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to take on the fire of judgment. I'm going to take on the fire of wrath. I'm going to take that on so you won't have to. And so even in the most difficult of circumstances, he is able to stay still. He is able to stay clear so that we can no longer worry about those things, so that we can have peace. And that's what Psalm 91 is about. That is what it means for protection over us. That's it for us. That is what our protection really means from God. And so for us, as we think about our own lives, as we think about the troubles that we've gone through, about the hardships that we've faced, man, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he took on judgment for you because he loves you that much? Do you believe in that? Because if you believe in that, then you're able to have peace and understanding. You're able to have assurance that even in the anxiety and worry in your life, you're able to stay calm. That is the type of peace that we're able to have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Yeah, let's just pray right now. This is a cry to the Lord for protection. This is a cry to the Lord, not about not facing troubles, not about not facing difficulties, but that God, even through the difficult times, that he would shape us, that he would shape our hearts, that he would shape our minds, that he would shape us in ways that we can't even fathom right now. He is able to do that because he is able to look from the perspective of eternity. And even past that, he is our protector because he is the one who took on judgment for us. He is the one who took on all of those things so that we would not have to. He sacrificed himself. 
And so right now, if what we could do is just pray. This is our sermon series. This is the beginning of our series on prayer, on the prayers of the heart. And so for us, if we could just cry out to the Lord, asking him, God, I am so stressed right now. I am so not at peace right now. I'm, so, uh, I'm, such, I'm going through such difficult times right now, Lord. I pray that you would bring peace into my heart. I pray that you would bring something new into my heart, Lord. I don't want to go through this anymore. God, bring peace into me. Bring hope into me. God, I want that type of peace. You are my protector. I believe in that. And so right now, let's just pray. Let's pray together now.